3: Looking the hire, Indeed will help you speed up the process. They have 135 skills tests to help you find the right candidates faster. Visit Indeed.com credit. Welcome back. It's hour number two of Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Pritchard, your host out here in Las Vegas. Your other host today, James Salinas out in Denver, Colorado, and happy to bring on to the program Pat Leonard. He's a Giants writer and columnist for the New York Daily News. Pat, how are you?
4: Mike, doing very well. Thanks for having me
3: on. Of course, of course. So it's Intel gathering time here on Betting Across America. And so uh, the NFL season, I, I have notebooks uh, as we lead up to the season. And in fact, because we're going to have a more normal offseason with phases, phase one, we're in, currently in phase two, going to get to phase three. Great time to have you on to give us some intel about the Giants. So uh, mentally, where do you believe the Giants are at? Do you feel like they've improved in the offseason and ready to have an optimistic uh, optimistic uh, 2021 season?
4: Yeah, they're excited. They, across the board, believe that they needed a huge shot in the arm on the offensive side of the ball. They think they got that. Kenny Galladay, Kyle Rudolph, John Ross, Kadarius Toney, et cetera. Did they address the offensive line remains to be seen. Can they improve from within? They also spent money on a Dory Jackson on defense. They got Leonard Williams locked back up, among some other draft picks, like Aziz Ojalari. they're excited about. The arrow seems to be pointing up for the Giants, certainly internally. It all seems to hinge on Daniel Jones, the quarterback, and whether he can take the next step in year three.
5: Pat, James Salinas out here in Denver. Always great to have you on the program. Thanks for taking some time to talk some NFL today. Love it. Uh, thinking about the Giants, you talked about the offseason moves and the offensive line in particular. Now, thankfully, the New York Jets brought up the rear when it came to scoring last year. Giants were second <laughs> second in the league as far as points, uh, least amount of points scored. So thinking about how that plays out, and Jason Garrett there as the offensive coordinator with these new pieces coming in, especially at the wideout positions offensively. How do you think that's going to impact this offense? Saquon Barkley coming back, hopefully 100% healthy from his knee injury. What do we? Th- what do you think you're going to expect from this Giants office, and in particular, uh, the, the offensive coordinator there with Garrett?
4: That's a great question, and honestly, I think that's the question. I think you're hitting right on the question of the Giants season now. After the player acquisition phase is now, can Jason Garrett's offense change and evolve to include not only just more weapons but especially you talk about a guy like Kadarius Tony who's so multiple you know a lot of people describe him as a talented player but a gadget player a guy who you need to be creative with you don't want to be predictable with when he's on the field you know he's getting the ball etc so yes it's great to have versatility but do you know how to use him you know Jason Garrett really has only ever had one player like him before. Tavon Austin in the sense that it's not a prototype wide receiver, but you still try to incorporate him. And he really didn't play much for Garrett's Cowboys. The couple of years he was there, he did toast the Giants deep, but that was at a time when everybody was. Uh, so the bottom line is, you know, Garrett has a lot more to work with. I think what we can see on the upside is a better red zone offense. Jones's shortcomings have been turnovers, yes, but also in the red zone, they just have kicked too many field goals. And the big body is not just better talent. Big bodies was the emphasis that's why you see Galladay that's why you see Rudolph and yes they wanted more speed with a Ross with a Tony and getting Barkley back will help. But they're hoping that the size advantage in the red zone will give Jones more weapons down there to punch in TDs but you hit it right on the nose it really is there's a lot on Garrett to figure out how to use these guys and not just uh, just putting them out there and playing.
3: Speaking with uh, Pat Leonard, uh, Giants writer and columnist, New York Daily News. Pat, sticking with the coaching theme, uh, Coach Judge off to a shaky start in the beginning uh, with uh, offensive coaches. And we know that we know the story there. Uh, still had an opportunity, though, to make the playoffs because of that weak division. Certainly won six games. Their win total is at seven right now. How do you feel going into this year, the coaching situations or the dynamic of the coaching situation is going to play out?
4: Yeah, well, I, you know, I kind of agree with the Vegas win total. I mean, I have them at eight and nine looking at the schedule, my very early assessment. The coaching dynamic is interesting. You can see on the one hand, Judge and the Giants have thrown a lot of extra bodies at not only the offensive side of the ball, but the offensive line. You know, my running joke is they practically have a, a different coach for every starter on the front five, uh, but you can see how much concern there is. But also the dynamic is to just find any way to fix it possible. The biggest strength of Judge's first year from a coaches and X and O's standpoint was Judge and Pat Graham finding a way to take a defense that really was lacking in talent and game-to-game, game-planning specifically for the opponent. No coincidence that's what Joe Judge took from Bill Belichick in New England was to, it doesn't matter how much work it takes, how much the players have to memorize, you can rip up a game plan in week four and week five play a different base defense because that's what it takes to win that game. So I think you can expect more of that on the offensive side of the ball, too. The expectation that they have to be multiple, that they have to evolve, that they have to be creative. You know, Judge is no nonsense. That's, who, that's what he wants. That's who he wants. And that's what he expects on both sides. If the Giants get the same thing out of their offense this year that they got out of their defense last year, which was resilience and creativity, then I think you can expect a lot of good things from them.
5: Sticking with the coaching theme here with Joe Judge, I remember talking with you right before the season was started, and it actually was right after that public tongue lashing that we heard from Judge to his team when it came to their performance in practice, their professionalism, upping the standards of what his expectations were for each of all of his players. I'm thinking about part of my handicap when I start breaking down teams and, and games for the NFL. As I intangibles like culture and leadership and i'm just wondering what you saw from a culture standpoint from when judge first got there we know about the tongue lashing to how that kind of played out throughout the season when it came to the culture and the chemistry of this team and how might that kind of roll over any momentum that might have been gained last year rolling into this year and leading to some more wins
4: Right, it's a great question. In fact, when you, when you said the tongue lashing, my first thought was, which one? Because we, we've seen plenty of them. Even going into the rookie minicamp we just came out of, he ripped the rookies for mistakes on a kickoff coverage drill, which, of course, as a special teams guy, is very important to him. But it did carry over, and we did see it, Bill. Number one, they started, what, one and six, one and seven? And really, previous Giants teams that we've seen in recent years would have folded. Judge's team did not. That was the most positive thing you you saw in the early half of the season. And then in the second half, you really saw some belief take. I personally, and I think a lot of other people, credit guys like Logan Ryan. I thought Dalvin Tomlinson was a big loss because I thought he was a leader in that regard. You know, they did have some Blake Martinez and other guys I should mention, and James Bradbury with his play mainly. There really was a culture shift as far as not just expectations, but just believing you can win even if things aren't going your way. Guys like Kyle Rudolph that they brought in are really going to help Further that cause. I know Rudolph said just talking to Judge reaffirmed for him, you know, we're not just bringing you here, uh, you know, because we like you. We're bringing you here because we think you can take our team to the next level and set an example. And so Judge is doing that. He wants guys here who are doing that. And the final piece I should add is when Golden Tate bucked midseason after that Buccaneers game and Judge sat him for that Washington game and didn't even take him on the trip, that to me was almost the final piece of the puzzle of really being tested by a bigger name player and sticking to your guns and saying, just because your name is this or that does not mean I'm going to treat you any differently. And that really had a positive effect, reinforced what judge is preaching that he's not just all talk.
3: (laughs) He's uh, ripping rookies already though. He needs to slow down a little bit. He's going to burn himself out. Um, Pat, (laughs) I wanted to ask you about this division uh, because we we saw what happened in the division last year. We, We think teams have made improvements. Um, The yes for the Giants to make the playoffs right now is plus 225. The no's minus 275. Obviously, winning Mm. the division is the easiest way to the playoffs. Can the Giants win the division this year?
4: I wouldn't say they can't, but I would say it's hard to pick them to do it and to put your money down on it because they, frankly, until last year, they couldn't beat the Cowboys with Dak Prescott healthy. And, of course, they knocked him out of that one game last year, and they still lost. But they haven't proven yet that they can beat a healthy Prescott consistently. The Eagles, of course, seem like they're down, but the Giants have had loads of trouble with them. And the Washington games, even though the Giants have had their number, not only were coin flips last year, but also now that's a better Washington team that's coming off of the division win. And their defense, you know, the Giants may have improved on offense, but Washington got better on their strongest side of the ball as well. So frankly, I come from this place of, yes, the Giants might win the division, but they can, but you cannot in good conscience put your money down on Daniel Jones not turning it over and the Giants consistently winning these games. They can do it. They could get there, but they're not there yet to me until they show they can do it consistently.
5: Patton, we talked about last year's struggles offensively for the Giants and all these new pieces, parts coming in there. I think this is where I I wanna get your assessment of the offensive line. Cause I look at the Giants schedule, their season win totals are sitting at seven and that offense, especially that offensive line is going to get tested right away. They're gonna open up at home against the Broncos, which I think has a terrific defensive roster here. And then a short week followed up playing at Washington, which I think has one of the best defensive lines if not the best defensive line in all of football. How is that offensive line going to be able to hold up not only throughout the season, but even early? Cause I think we're going to find out a great test with those two teams when we're talking about Denver and Washington's defense.
4: Yes. And that's an important variable because everyone's putting the onus on Daniel Jones. But when you incorporate the questions about Jason Garrett and the questions about the offensive line, yes, they got him more weapons, but is he still in a situation to succeed optimally because of, some of the question marks, particularly up front. I love Nick Gates. He was great. He was very good at tackle when they switched him to center. He was rusty early last year, but no preseason, whatever. I thought he took well. He's a leader. I like Nick Gates a lot. I would take him with me any day. The Giants are counting a lot on Andrew Thomas and Matt Kurt, the two rookie tackles from last year, growing and developing. They're also counting on, frankly, at guard, that's the issue. And you had Shane Lemieux, Will Hernandez was benched for the second half of last season after COVID. They do bring in a guy, Zach Fulton, a veteran who played at Houston to compete at right guard because Kevin Zeitler was released for cap purposes is now in Baltimore. Nate Solder, yes, is here to play a stopgap role at tackle. But frankly, we don't know how good this line is going to be. Again, no proof they're going to be great in a lockdown unit. Uh, You know, Frankly, I think it's not getting enough attention because people I think are so talking about, tired of talking about the Giants offense as being a problem because it's just a topic every year. But we've seen them be, they have three offensive line coaches within a span of basically four months when you include Mark Colombo until he got fired, Dave and now and now Rob Sale. So this is a position not only where the talent might not be good enough, but there's been a ton of turmoil inside the building. They've brought Pat Flaherty in, the former Giants offensive line coach, to help as a consultant. Freddie Kitchens is now working with the offensive front off of tight ends. So all their eyes and all the attention is on that position group. But we really don't know if it, how it's going to shake out, and the Giants' season is counting on it. So this is a huge issue and something that Joe Judge and the Giants, I promise you, are spending every waking <laughs> moment on.
3: Well, I'm taking a lot of notes right now about the Giants because you're giving us some great – Intel. Pat is outstanding. Follow him on Twitter uh, at Pat Leonard, NYDN as well. So uh, I need to follow up on that notion because I'm looking at divisional odds. Uh, The Giants plus 500, the Eagles plus 425 with a young quarterback. Um, Their win total is six and a half, which is below the Giants. The Washington football team's got a brand-new quarterback. Uh, we'll see what happens with Fitzmagic. Uh, and then the Cowboys, you got Dak Prescott coming off a severe injury. But yet the Giants are yeah. sitting at plus 500 with Daniel Jones and all of this turmoil uh, happening inside that building. Uh, how do they get it together for the 2021 season?
4: Well, you actually just hit on something important about why the Giants might do it, which is if Daniel Jones takes even a slight next step, To me, I'm not scared of the rest of the quarterbacks in the division if Dak Prescott isn't healthy. If Dak is healthy, then I don't think the Giants are as good of a team as the Cowboys are. I don't think they win the division. He plays well. It's over. But if Dak isn't 100%, if the Cowboys and McCarthy are still having issues, no offense to Fitzmagic, but he doesn't scare me down there. Mm -hmm. And no offense to Jalen Hurts, who has some promising traits, but he doesn't scare me as a lockdown Giants can't beat this guy either. So I actually think that's the Giants' kind of great hope there. You know, Washington doesn't get any heat right now for going into an offseason with a hole at quarterback and basically not filling it. I mean, Taylor Henneke looked good in the playoff game, and you know, but frankly, they need to do more. And listen, the reason the Giants have had trouble against teams like the Eagles, for example, and why those odds look that way, the Eagles, even when they struggle, where are they, where are they best? On their fronts. Yes, their offensive line was a mess last year, But their defensive front and offensive front has always given the Giants fits. So if the Giants fronts can match up, if they can have a legitimate pass rush, if they can block like the Eagles and their defensive front, where they normally rotate bodies and Fletcher Cox usually owns them. Now you say that the table is even and now Daniel Jones maybe can go to work and take the Giants over the hump. But there are key issues to their roster that have been issues in the past. The most encouraging thing for the Giants, though, mm-hmm. is they now have a competitive professional roster with guys on their team who might be able to line up against the Cowboys, Washington, and Eagles and get the job done.
3: Well, I tell you what, it's always football season around here on Betting Across America. In fact, at VSN and, and Pat Leonard, you were outstanding with the Giants' intel. Follow him on Twitter at pat or at P Leonard, excuse me, N Y D N. Pat, thanks again. That was awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) James, that was incredible uh, to get that much information right now. my, My notebook's getting full
5: already. Pritch, I love the intel when we're talking about the intangibles, things that yeah. I like when we're talking about culture, leadership, and chemistry. Great insight from Pat Leonard on all of those fronts.
3: Absolutely. The Giants sound like they got work to do, though. Uh, and Joe Judge needs to slow down, get out the fast lane. Uh, coming up next, we, we, you know what, we have one of the best prop bettors, player prop bettors uh, here on Vsin and that's James Salinas. So we're going to go over some NBA player props. It's coming up next. with a break in the triple crown this week's ron flatter racing pod features a look back on the preakness with winning owners john and diane fratkin talking about ron bauer the bob baffert controversy and next month's belmont stakes will be discussed by louis rebeau megan devine and mike gandalfo of the horse racing happy hour the sins vinnie mayulo will handicap weekend races the Ron Flatter Racing Pod posts every Friday morning at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts and sponsored by First Bet. Welcome back to the show. It's Betting Across America. We are presented by BetMG. i Mike Pritchard. James Salinas with you today. Uh, James, player props, prop shop right now here uh, when it comes to the NBA and um, these are interesting ones, too, because Indiana Sabonis, so we saw his dominant performance. Um, he's sitting at 25 and a half points, 14 and a half rebounds, I believe, too. So um, where are you at with player props in a matchup with the Pacers and the Wizards?
5: The difficult piece here, Pritch, we talked about this game earlier to open the show and the injuries that we know are out there. Players are going to be out there, but like Beal, for instance, mm-hmm. clearly hampered with that hamstring injury, has not shot the ball well in his couple games re, Couple games back out on the court. And and he's stated as, as much, right? He knows. He's, he's stated it. He's not 100%. So th- the other part, too, is it kind of correlates with – We know what we've seen with the three matchup with these teams. They lighten up the scoreboard, no defense there, especially on the Pacers' side. I I think when Miles Turner went down, he was really that rim protector in the paint. That was a big loss for them defensively, especially on the interior. And we know Russell Russell Westbrook, I think, number one, Russell Westbrook's going to want to redeem himself from really how poor of a a performance he put out there in the first play-in game against the Celtics in that loss. And knowing that Beal is bad. Banged up the way that he is he's bills not somebody that I want to bet on I was not somebody I want to bet against either because the guy's such a great talent uh, but knowing how banged up he is I feel like there's going to be more of an emphasis with Westbrook to really and he's the facilitator of that team we know that but I think he knows he's got to get not only Beal some good looks and open shots so he doesn't have to really have to put the ball on the floor and create a shot and put more stretch on that hamstring but get other players involved in this game too so if I was looking at these props here probably would look at Russell Westbrook as far as as the assist Now it's a massive assist number. It's sitting at 13 and a half, mm-hmm. which means not only has he got to be on his teammates got to knock down shots. That's, that's the difficulty here. But in, if we want to go off of what's happened in those three games previously, I mean, Westbrook's lit it up. He's had, he's, he's had, tw- he's averaged 20 assists in those three games. So he's been coming in and getting guys uh, engaged in the game. But I think I would look there as far as the prop goes. And I think on the other side for Indy, maybe it's looking at Sabonis. Sabonis has had a terrific series and well th- three games against the Wizards so far this season he's averaged 32 and 14 against the Wiz sitting there at 25 and a half points I think they're gonna Indiana's really gonna need him with Karis Lavert out tonight due to COVID protocol they're gonna need some they're gonna need some baskets to come from Sabonis some points in the paint to play some inside out I'd be looking at the Sabonis prop to play the over and probably the Westbrook prop Over the assist at thirteen and a
3: half. Yeah, I was looking at McDermott. He's up to seventeen and a half there with points because of that performance a couple days ago, a couple nights ago. Uh, He averaged what around around thirteen points a game during the season. So here's the uh, inflation there for McDermott. I mean,
5: because the role players I think could have a chance uh, with some of these props out there. He's def. He McDermott definitely has the capacity, to catch and shoot guy, right? Mm-hmm. And and pretty good size, so he can shoot over smaller defenders that are closing out to him on the catch and shoot. I'm just concerned not only with Lavert out and the facilitation on the floor. What is that going to look like from for McDermott to get touches right. to shoot the basketball? What is the pace of play going to look like here? That that this, we look at this total, and I think that's where I'm kind of conflicted because I look at the total and it's ticking up. Now it's not ticking. It's still sitting at 230, 237 and a half but if the juice is starting. To hit to the over, mm-hmm. I'm still looking at the under here because it is the elimination game, and in that sense I don't want to bet the total and bet under yet be rooting for players to put points up on the board against me, so I'm kind of conflicted there. We're talking about props and then talking about the total, so I'll have to make a decision of which way I want to go with this game tonight, but as far as McDermott's concerned, it's just a matter of getting the touches out there and how healthy is Brogdon going to be out there to be able to score the basketball? He's dealing with a hamstring injury as well. He did make it back. Played about twenty some odd minutes, but you know it was such a blowout they didn't need him to play a whole right. lot. So I think it was more so not so much minutes restriction. It was just the the uh, where, where the outcome was going that they knew they could rest him because he's the, they're going to need Brogdon tonight not only to score but to have to play some defense and really try to shut down not only Westbrook with Beal and maybe rotating. I, I, I'm looking at more of the under here, but okay. I like Sabonis and Westbrook to hit their totals
1: on the over.
3: I tell you what, it is a little bit more difficult win or go home situation. Which player can yep. Uh, step up the largest on the biggest stage or the biggest moment. Uh, We'll find out a little bit later on tonight. Uh, But interesting player props right there. Uh, When we continue to program, Major League Baseball, we got a preview there, uh, as well as you're going to get to PGA Championship update on the leaderboard. That's coming up next. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows, including Follow the Money, A Numbers Game, My Guys in the Desert, Lombardi Lion, and VCN Best Bets. Download Beating the Book with Gil Alexander Pod or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum Pod. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers Long Shots, Gone Racing, and the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. They are all free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the show. It's betting across America. We are presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas, your host today. James updating everybody on the leaderboard in the PGA Championship. Uh, Keegan Bradley, he's minus three. So is Hovland, minus three. Brooks Kepka, minus three. Uh Aaron Wise, uh, he's minus three. Connors is minus three. <laughs> Grace is minus three. There's there's a log jam up there uh, with the leaderboard. Uh, a lot of guys, a lot of good names. Colin Marikawa, we talked about him. I might be on him uh, here in this matchup, certainly moving forward. Uh, one of those guys, James, that um, you know has won it last year, certainly, but this PGA Championship off to an exciting start.
5: Full field. This is what yeah. this is what you look for. These are the these are the big ones, right? So you have your the, you get your big majors here, and and you're going to bring out the best in all these players. For me, I, I, I'm not really a, a, a great golf handicapper by any means. I'll never be in that lane. We have so many great so many great cappers on our network. We got to think of the long shot guys like Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds, Matt Human, So many so many great handicappers that usually I look to tail. I look to find what they're advising on and look to tail them I usually don't get involved with the these contests be it the the golf especially the majors before they get started i like to listen to our guys and see where i can find something as the you know as the rounds progress which i was able to luckily able to capitalize on the masters so that's really my approach when i come when it comes to betting golf have you taken anybody in this in this pga championship
3: no i wanted to see uh the opening round and and how they're going to handle this course uh with all that wind right off the ocean uh Harrington is uh, up there, too. He's under par. I haven't heard that name or seen that name on a leaderboard in quite a while. So, yeah, I'm just taking it all in right now, James.
5: Yeah, same with me. So yeah. definitely be staying tuned as it progresses and kind of see where who who starts to build some confidence and some momentum from round to round, especially maybe get more involved when we well, narrow down the field after Friday's second round.
3: So the Giants, they destroyed the Reds 19-4. Um Twins underway against the Angels, uh, 1-1. Uh, Astros underway with the uh, athletics. Uh, they're on top three to two. Uh, the Nationals uh, are losing two to five to the Cubs right now. Uh, and the Yankees on top of the Rangers in that ninth inning as well, two to0. Did you have any plays uh, on Major League Baseball, the games that have finished already or currently going?
5: None of the games that started this morning or that are currently uh, currently on the diamonds at this point. The couple different games I was looking at, to that'll have first pitch here in a couple hours. And I'll jump to one of them right now. We were thinking about Miami and Philadelphia. So, mm-hmm. Rich, you know, I've been trying to find different angles. I'm staying away from bullpens gotten burned a couple times uh, over the last couple weeks. So staying away from a lot of nine-inning kind of full-game bets, maybe some first fives and or some of these pitcher props uh, until this market starts to change and and starts to price me out of it here. And that's where I went with this game between the Marlins and the Phillies. Now, the Phillies lineup has had some issues. They've been nicked up. I think Riamonto is going to be back in the lineup, but he's been nursing a hand injury. He's been poor guy's been banged up. He's a great player and great catcher, but he's been banged up most of the season. Harper is also, I think he'll be back in lineup, but he's had a multitude of injuries these last few weeks, in particular, getting hit right in the face. Uh, but I, I, uh, this lineup's really kind of struggled to string together hits. Now, I know pretty favorable ballpark that they play in there. But for the Marlins, I'm looking at this player prop with Alcantara back on on the mound, and I like Sandy. I think here, he's, for last week, playing in Dodger Stadium really got lit up. It was his worst outing by far of the season for Alcantara, but he, I think this is where he's going to have an opportunity to bounce back. Now, he couldn't get out of the second inning against the Dodgers in that matchup, but only through 55 pitches, because he got tagged and they got pulled, but he hasn't pitched since last Friday, so plenty of rest rolling into this matchup. I think here, he's going to want to redeem himself, and looking at the innings pitch is where I'm going with this. It's sitting at 16 and a half outs right now for Alcantara juiced mm-hmm. to a dollar 20 to the over that's where I'm going with this matchup. if you look at how how sandy has pitched this season and seven out of his nine starts he's with a minimum of six innings pitched. so the, he's he's a horse for them and I think he's going to be looking to redeem himself from that poor performance against the Dodgers and facing a, a really kind of a beat up lineup for the Phillies that's where I'm going alcantara over 16 and a half outs juiced at a dollar 20.
3: okay um most of my wins in Major League Baseball has been uh, totals to be honest with you James Uh, sides I haven't had that much great luck that way Uh, Boston on the road against Toronto Um, Toronto's minus 124 uh, nine and a half to total in this one elevated total
5: Speaking about the total, that's where I went with this one. Okay. But not the full nine, and I'm actually going the <laughs> under here. And I know it, it, this park plays very well to the home run, and and both these teams can hit the baseball. But here's the, the – the looking at Pavetta, Pavetta's actually been pretty steady. I was kind of surprised, pretty steady for the Red Sox coming over from the Phillies here. And and I think for – you know, he's either worked five or six innings, and seven out of his last eight starts. So – been very consistent for the Red Sox here. He's also keeping the ball in the yard. Now, we know it's a shorter yard there in Ter- or Tampa. We'll just call it Tampa. Right. Uh, he's, but he's only allowed three home runs in 42 and two-thirds innings. So, he's been, his command has been there. He's been able to, to keep the ball down, stay in the yard and let his defense play behind him here. And with the Blue Jays, yeah, I know they've got, it's a fun lineup to watch. But I think with, with Matt's on the mound, Matt's kind of been up and down this season for, it's not so much a bet on Matt here, but he has, he actually has pretty good command of his, of his pitches so far this year, only 13 walks in 42 innings, uh, but I think this is where I'm going with this, looking at the wind and the weather. A lot of times I don't really put too much into the wind uh, in certain places. Outside, we talk about Wrigley a lot, right, mm-hmm. with the Chicago Cubs, and is that wind blowing in or out? Here in Florida or in Tampa for this game, wind is blowing in about 20 miles per hour. So I think that's going to have an effect on any of these balls that get launched up. So I'm looking at this total here. It was sitting at five and a half. first five, we're staying away from the bullpens. I'm just gonna stay with these starters. Not that I love these starters, and these are some aces up there. But that's why this number's sitting at five and a half as the first five total. I'm gonna play the under. I paid a juice nickel on it for a dollar fifteen. So that's where I'm rolling here. Under five and a half runs to be scored. First five laying a dollar fifteen. All right. I like those plays. Uh,
3: bullpen. I mean, <laughs> avoiding them if you can. Uh, it is an adventure, though.
5: Yeah, especially out here, Prince. We were talking about the Rockies; mm-hmm. their last homestand here really crushed it. And, and then away yeah. from away from Coors can't hit. But yeah, the bullpens are just not only for the Rockies. So many teams. I'm just avoiding them as much as I can. Okay,
3: bad bullpens and no hitters—the theme of Major League Baseball this year. Uh, Jonathan Von Tobo, our senior NBA expert, he joins program. That's coming up next. Discover BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Sign up today and win $100 if you place a $1 wager on any golfer to win the PGA Championship. And any golfer makes a birdie during the tournament, regardless of your bet's outcome. Simply use bonus code VESAN100 when you place a first bet. To take advantage of this offer, it's so a new customer offer paid in free bets. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be at least 21. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Excludes Michigan. Disassociated persons, please gamble responsibly. If you feel you have a problem, it's 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. and Tennessee, call our text the red line at 800-889-9789. In Indiana, it's 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Welcome back to the show. Betting Across America, Mike Pritchard, James Salinas with you. Happy to bring on to the program Jonathan Von Tobel, our VCN NBA expert. JBT, how are you?
6: Doing good, man. You know, we're here. Postseason pretty much underway. I know these are playing like their own little weird entity, but uh, yesterday was awesome. I thought LeBron and Steph lived up to the hype, so I can't wait to see what else we got going.
3: Yeah, the acting skills of LeBron is extraordinary. Absolutely fabulous. Uh, but let's get to that matchup tonight. Uh, Indiana and Washington. Winner go home. I like this. Like uh, wrestling style almost, JVT. Uh, Washington minus uh, 3.5 at home. 2.38.5 is a total in this game.
6: So if you go back over their three regular season matchups, you know, Washington won all three, two and one against the spread in those. There's there's a couple of things that stick out when you look at the matchups and what transpired. The first of which is Indiana defensively, who, by the way, has been bad pretty much all year long, especially over the last 22 games by Miles Turner. Their defense, again, suffered against Washington. Wizards had an offensive rating of 117.7. They had a net rating of over five. It was like 5.5. They need Indiana to be better on the defensive end. But we really haven't seen any indication of that. And the other thing that really sticks out when you look at their three matchups, Pritch, look at what Washington did at the rim. I wrote about this today. In three games, they had 90 attempts within four feet of the basket, and they shot 73%. They just got inside whenever they wanted. And those are obviously easy shots. Those are optimal shots. Everybody gets mad at analytics. That's actually the most optimal shot, right, at the rim. And so if you're giving those up, you're going to have a problem. Now, I think the thing that works in Indiana's favor is that Washington, right, didn't really look great. Russell Westbrook did not perform well. Him and Bradley Beale had a very poor shooting night. Beal and Davis Bertans with one of 13 from beyond the arc against Boston. But can you count on that to happen again? So I do think Washington is going to win this game. However, from a power rating perspective, from a number perspective, I don't want to lay three-and-a-half. So I'm going to take the approach that I did yesterday with that Lakers game, sit back and watch, and wait for some in-game opportunities. Because in basketball, and especially between two teams like this defensively, you're going to get an opportunity to get a better number on whatever side that you want.
5: JVT thinking about tomorrow night's matchup. The Warriors hosting the Grizzlies. Win or go home. Same thing here. Elimination game. Warriors coming off that really exciting, like you mentioned, it's great game. Hopefully that's what we're looking. I'm glad it lived up to the hype, and I'm hoping that's what we're going to see consistently out of the NBA playoffs because I think we will. It's a different animal when we get to the playoffs as opposed to the regular season. Thinking about this matchup, they just played each other on Sunday. Really was an up and down affair when it came to to the lead. And I remember the Warriors had a pretty significant lead. Brooks came in there and, and third third quarter, it made way through the fourth quarter, really got him back into the game for the Grizzlies. Then he fouled out and the wheels kind of came off for Memphis. What can you take from that last Sunday's game, roll it into this matchup here with the Warriors, kind of same price as it was on Sunday, laying three and a half total at 220 and a half.
6: Yeah, Brooks, uh, Brooks was a good couple of stretches, right? Remember yesterday, he took the game over for Memphis too and helped to win that game against San Antonio. So he's been in really good form. So, you know, I think what's really interesting is, So, again, looking at regular season matchups, between these two teams, if you look at what has transpired, and it's not so much for me the the results, right? Like the Warriors 2-1 in those games against Memphis, but it's about the way they went down. Warriors only had an offensive rating of 107.1. Grizzlies only had an offensive rating of 101.1. These are two teams that play pretty quickly. Pace rating was about 103 for those three games, but two really inefficient offenses. The thing that turns me off with Memphis, and you saw it transpire a little bit with Steph Curry in the regular season finale, their perimeter defense really has not been great this year. You know, they come from uh, Taylor Jenkins and that crew. They, they come from the bud uh, school of philosophy, right? Over in Milwaukee where, hey, you know what? We prioritize rim defense. We're going to not really switch a lot. We're going to drop our guy in terms of our big and pick and roll coverage. But it opens up their perimeter for three-point shooters. They have a pretty good three-point shooter on the state side, Steph Curry. And I think that has made the difference for Curry and the Warriors in these mashups. So I didn't have a bet. I think you're going to see this total get pretty low, right? It's elimination game setting. We've seen the total come down by the way in Washington and Indiana for the very same reason. This has the makings, I think of a pretty low scoring affair. So I haven't made a play on the side or a total yet, but I'd expect this total to come down here a little bit. And I would lean towards golden state, but I want to see if I can get a better number. If the market comes in on Memphis after that slobber knocker that they played against the Lakers last
3: night, mm, we're speaking with Jonathan Von Tobel, our v senior NBA expert. Uh, JBT, the series prices have dropped, uh, actually posted for the Suns and the Lakers. Uh, the Suns are two seed, kind of a complete team. They're plus 120 in the series. The Lakers minus 145 uh, here as a seven seed, and we just saw them play last night. Uh, help us with these uh, prices here, with these series prices. Uh, how do you interpret that? And then certainly, what do you anticipate as this series uh, gets, uh, gets started here shortly?
6: So I was talking—I can't remember who Prince I was talking to about this. I think it was Aaron Renning on, on the podcast Harvard University a couple of days ago. And We were kind of throwing around like what you think a series price between Phoenix and Los Angeles would be, and I was like, "Well, I, I think it's going to be closer to three dollars, but not exactly three dollars." And some spots yesterday actually opened up minus two fifty. But you—you know—you mentioned the price that we're at right now, and it's not really surprising to see that come down, right? I think a lot of people were really turned off by. What they saw in the first half against the, the Golden State Warriors yesterday. A lot of the sentiment is, hey, you could barely beat a bad Warriors team. How are they going to do against Phoenix? But here's the thing: you gotta look at the two halves, okay, and you gotta realize the difference that happened in those two halves. In the first half, the Warriors, should be the Lakers were going traditional against the Warriors. Andre Drummond was getting a lot of run, Montrezl Harrell was getting run in those reserve minutes. They're playing a traditional big alongside Anthony Davis and LeBron James. What happens? They go down into the halftime, down 13 points. Offensive rating for the Lakers at 85 just wasn't going very well. But we know that the most optimal lineup for the Lakers is when Anthony Davis is playing at center. So what happens in the second half? Frank Vogel and AD decided to say, you know what, let's try this out. They put AD at the five. What happens? Offensive rating for the Lakers goes to 122. They have a net rating of 32. And that second half, although the final score was a three-point deficit, the second half wasn't close. The Lakers completely outplayed them and dominated them. And so I think you're going to see more of that from the Los Angeles Lakers in this series and in going forward. A couple of the things that have bothered me about Phoenix. 20s in defensive efficiency since the All-Star break dead last in transition defense their rim defense has fallen off completely since the all-star break those are areas of the floor which the lakers will be able to thwart. so i do think the lakers win this series my initial prediction was suns or excuse me, lakers in six the suns are a very good team so maybe they push this to seven but on the surface i think the lakers are going to win this now as far as the series price is concerned the media thought there is some value but let's go anecdotal LeBron loves these game ones to peel out his opponents. You know, game one, or, or me, 0-1 deficit for LeBron in the series is not something that, is, something that happens often. So, pre-flop, I won't get involved, see if maybe they drop it and they come in on a plus price, but I do think the Lakers win this thing. Okay.
5: JVT, for for me out here in Denver, looking forward to this Nuggets and Portland Trailblazers matchup, yeah. rematch from a couple years ago, which was an Absolute phenomenal series. Went game, went seven games. Portland actually taking it down here, uh, here in Denver. I want to get your assessment on this. Now it's a, uh, the Blazers for the series price short favorite here at a dollar twenty even money back on the Nuggets. And we know Jamal Murray's not going to be there from the Nuggets. Biggest takeaway from not only last year's bubble but this matchup we saw two years ago. How do you? H- how are you digging into this matchup between Portland and Denver? Because I think it's going to be another phenomenal series.
6: Yeah, and when the series price is fascinating in and of itself, James, because, you know, I was looking at points bet right where you are. Uh, they actually have Denver as like a minus 115 favorite. You know, if you look at Circa, you can get plus 112 on the Denver Nuggets out here in Vegas. So, like, there's so many different ways that you could attack this from a series price perspective before it starts. But I think it's fascinating. And this is the series I'm most excited to watch because Denver has, I think, a massive advantage in the front court, but Portland has a massive advantage in the back court. But I, I think overall, at plus 112, there is some value, I think, at a price like that with Denver if you want to go grab that at Circa. Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon on the floor together, a 123 net or should be positive uh, offensive efficiency rating, a plus 16-15 net rating. They're so good together, and it's one of the worst interior defenses in the league in Portland. I think ultimately that kind of plays out in Denver's favor. And, and at one point, Will Barton is coming back. Which is going to help, so I think Denver ultimately squeaks this out. It's going to be a tight one, though, as indicated by the series price.
3: JBT, we have the, all these matchups in the playoffs. Uh, they're set. Uh, any stand out in terms of sweeps? Uh, any potential sweeps that you can see out there on the schedule?
6: I think two potentially stand out, Pritch. It'd be Brooklyn over Boston, or it would be Los Angeles over Dallas. You know, and I, I think I'd lean more toward Dallas getting swept out. I, I I just don't like what Dallas brings to the table from a defensive standpoint. One of the worst perimeter defenses in the postseason that we're going to see in terms of their ranking in the regular season. The Clippers are the best shooting team in the league in terms of percentage. Their defense is really evened out. LeBron John Rondo actually makes a difference. Serge Ibaka is healthy again. Like I think this version of the Clippers is different. And I think you know last year I thought they were going to win that series in five, at they ended up going to six. I think that's like a sweep slash five-game series. I bet both of those at Circa, little plus prices, You know, Clippers in five. Versus, yeah, Clippers in five and the Clippers in four. But I think that's probably the one i put at the top of the list.
3: Oh, uh, yeah, we love it. I mean, certainly uh, just plus money situations with these games, whether they're going to be sweeps or, or go five games, uh, just a plus money situation. So, uh, JVT, that was awesome. Enjoy the playoffs and good luck out there, man.
6: I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much.
3: Absolutely. Jonathan Von Tobel, senior NBA expert. Uh, James, your thoughts there as we wrap up the show today?
5: I'm ready for the playoffs with the, for the NBA. I, I'm, I'm an NBA fan. I always have been ever since I was a kid growing up, going to games, going to, to the old Big Mac here with the Nuggets. I think this, when we get to the playoffs, the regular season, it's two different animals when we talk about regular season basketball and playoff basketball. Basically, the regular season in the NBA just feels like an exhibition. We definitely saw that play out this year, not even knowing who was going to play. Once these teams get on the floor and we start playing for real, not only these playing elimination games tonight and tomorrow, but also this weekend. Right. I'm ready to get it on.
3: Yeah, I I am too. I'm right there with you. As a hooper, James, I know you can appreciate the effort out there. Great job. We'll see you back here on the program tomorrow. Good luck with everything as well.
5: Same to you, my friend. See you happy. Have a great night.
3: You too. Absolutely. My guys in the desert. Come up next right here on Beastland Sports Betting Network.
0: if you dare.